Salam everyone, welcome to the You Mentor Talk Show. We're so happy you could join us today. Before we start, um, we just wanted to put in a word about our new platform, You Mentor Inspire. It's a question and answer platform for career advice in our Shia community. As a rising professional, you can ask for great advice from professionals in our community, especially our um, talk show panelists every week. As a mentor, you can give advice to our community's future professionals, um, and it's available on the Umoja app on Android and iOS. Today's speaker is Dr. Imran Khan, an accomplished scientist, clinical pharmacist, youth director, and foodie. He grew up in small town Arkansas, but maintained his faith and culture, even though his family was the only Muslim family in his city. He serves as a corporate clinical ph pharmacist with Northwestern Medicine, um, and currently he lives in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so let's welcome Dr. Khan. Assalamualaikum, Dr. Khan. So happy you could join us today. How are you? Hey, wa alaikum salam. You know, as you know, that th there's uh, a lot of history going on in the world today, right? Right, yeah. But well, it seems like uh, we're going to have a historic moment today, too, in the show, two <laughs> Imrans. Yes, yes. So much history being made today. Um, okay, so you're um, a clinical pharmacist. And I'm thinking when people hear that, they might be confused as to like what are the different types of pharmacists and how a clinical pharmacist is different. So if you could just maybe start with that. Yeah, that's actually a very good question. Um, it's a question that I receive quite a bit. Um, you know, when they first hear that I'm a pharmacist, instantly the first thing they think of is the retail pharmacy setting, your typical Walgreens or CVS pharmacist. Um, but with a, a doctorate of pharmacy degree, you can actually go into 150 different um, avenues of medicine. And so wow. one of the avenues that I went uh, through to is a, is a clinical pharmacist, a hospital-based clinical pharmacist. Mm -hmm. um, and so what does a hospital pharmacist do? Um, well, I, I actually have a little bit more clinical training. I did a residency here in Chicago. And based on that, uh, now uh, I was actually um, working at Northwestern Medicine in the hospital alongside physicians, and uh, we would go and we would see patients, um, literally just like how physicians would go uh, room to room, and I would be alongside with them. And what, what I would do is my responsibility was to create a medication plan uh, and implement that for specifically for that patient. So mm -hmm. based on whatever disease state that patient has, uh, I would have to come up with a drug regimen that was appropriate for dose, um, make sure that any of the adverse effects don't um, exacerbate their disease state, making sure that there's no drug interactions with their other medications that, they're, that they were on, um, and basically try to solve health problems um, using the rational use of medications. Um, you know, that's kind of like the broad version of uh, exactly what I did. Um, it, of course, you know, once we implemented that medication plan, uh, it was my job to follow that patient's progress to determine if the effects of the medications um, on the health were positive or negative mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and adjust the medications based on how the, the um, patient was progressing. I see. Okay. Um, so I, I was intrigued personally, and I'm sure a lot of people were, um, in the, in your bio, when you said that you transitioned from a NASA researcher to a corporate clinical pharmacist. So how did that transition happen and why pharmacy? 
Yeah. Okay. Good question. Um, you know, I wish that I can come up here and, and tell you um, mm -hmm. a wonderful story of how <laughs> I wanted to do pharmacy all my life. But the fact is, if you want the truth, um, I never had any desire to go into pharmacy. I, um, mm -hmm. my, my plan was is that um, when I was at um, Arkansas State University, I um, was, you know, I'm a I was a chemistry major. And that university had just received a, um, a grant from NASA. Mm -hmm. And that grant was that um, NASA was interested in the chemical deposition of a material that was called cadmium sulfide to make um, photovoltaic cells. So essentially, to kind of break that down, what, what does that mean is they were interested in cadmium sulfide, this material, which actually takes solar energy and it converts it into mechanical energy. Mm -hmm. Why was NASA so interested in this? Well, it's because if they could find a cheap way of creating this material, then they would coat their spacesuits, their sp the space shuttles, all with cadmium sulfide. They essentially have a right. swimming pool full of cadmium sulfide <laughs> and start just dipping everything into it and coating it mm -hmm. so that once they go into space, that they would use less rocket fuel and more solar energy. Um, and so that was... And I did that for two years, to you know, and I loved it. Um, mm -hmm. Just being part of uh, NASA, and and um, I, I probably had more publications after I left um, as a graduating senior than probably uh, most uh, of the faculty there at that university. Wow. <laughs> and um, and to be honest with you, that's that's all I wanted to do. I, my senior year, I was right. Uh, I had a job lined up as a research research scientist, and um, and that was my plan, but. Um, one day, um, I was actually going to the library to study for a final. I still remember it was a Friday and uh, for, my, for Monday's final, I know. Studying on a Friday night. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. So, uh, but yeah, I, I was actually going there and I met this, um, it, one of my classmates, um, and I had actually met her only once before since I was president mm -hmm. of the American Chemical Society. She had came to that uh, group meeting just once. And I, when I saw her again, I said, hey, I remember you. You came to one of our meetings. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm studying for this uh, pharmacy test. It's called a PCAT. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And she said, you're really good at pharmacy and chemistry. And, and so- But had you, had you, sorry, had you taken like a pharmacy course yet at all up to that never. point? No, only never. No, totally, totally, totally new. Exactly. Wow. So when she when she said that, um, you know, the test, the last test of the year is tomorrow. So why don't you um, think about taking it as a standby? And I said, uh, you know what? No, I want to be a researcher. And so I still remember on the drive home, I was thinking about it. I said, well, you know, it, it doesn't hurt. So why not? Mm -hmm. I, I I go and I, I, I got a money order made um, for that in the morning at eight in the morning. I, I showed up. They had one cancellation. And um, and so when once I showed up and. Um, you know, I, I came in, I sat right behind her and she was, I still remember she was very rude to me. And I said, you know, Hey, I took your advice. I'm here. Uh, why are you mad? And she said, well, cause you're going to take my spot in pharmacy school. And it, it turned out that uh, the day I found out, I saw her again. Um, and I said, Hey, I got in. What about you? And she said, no, totally. So you, you took my spot in pharmacy school. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't like, I mean, there were, there were 90 spots. So she, uh -huh. uh, I see. Okay. I didn't want to say that I'm the one who took her spot, but mm -hmm. that's kind of like how it worked out. And, uh, uh, you know, when I received my scores, I took it to the advisor and he said, 
I said, I, I, it's so encrypted. I don't understand, you know, is this good or bad? And he said, yeah. you're going to pharmacy school, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so how long do people normally study for this exam? Well, she told me that she was study. She studied six months for it. Um, wow. And so that's why I told her, I said, well, I'm not going to take your spot. You've been mm -hmm. studying for this for six months. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what's on this exam. <laughs> I'm just taking it for fun. And um, and it turned out that that door opened up and um, I, I I received um, an interview call from the University of Arkansas. And here it is. I have to go down there and um, convince this interviewer that this is what I wanted to do all my life. <laughs> even though you just that? by chance, I mean, lucked into it, I guess. And that door opened up and I just walked into it and I said, right. well, let's see where this is going. And uh, he literally... He, we talked for five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, he asked me like four questions and I said, that's it. He goes, well, these are the <laughs> questions that they gave me and um, that's it. And I mean, is there anything else that you want to tell me about yourself? And I said, well, I have to say something because he is not going to give me right. a glowing recommendation if, after four minutes. <laughs> um, and so I said, well, I just want to throw out there that I've, I've been doing um, research for NASA for two years. And he said, what? He goes, do you know who I am? I said, no, who are you? He said, I'm the director of research here at this pharmacy school. And I, and after that, we spoke for the next 45 minutes on research. Um, hmm. So that was kind of like my in uh, into pharmacy school. So never cut yourself short. I mean, at least that's what you told me yesterday. <laughs> that's it. You know, yeah. uh, you know, if there's anything about yourself, don't be humble. Um, you know, sell yourself. Because um, if you're not going to sell yourself, no one else will. Mm -hmm. So what does uh, pharmacy school entail before we get into your residency? Right. So um, it's currently there. The bare minimum is two years of undergraduate work. And then you can actually go straight to pharmacy school from there, mm -hmm. assuming that you um, take the PCAT and then you fulfill all the requirements. However, um, a lot of the schools are now pushing for um a four-year undergraduate degree. I see. Uh, so some schools have already transitioned into that. Some schools, it's still the only requirement is a two-year undergraduate work. Mm -hmm. So once you um, go into, once you complete those two years, you can go straight to get a doctorate of pharmacy, and that's four years of work. And I always tell some of the students, I said, if you really want to become a physician, um, this is probably the best route that you can get. Um, mm. Go and get a strong foundation in pharmacy. Uh, most of the students, they would take a four-year um, undergraduate degree right. and then go to four years of um, medical school, and that's eight years. Well, mm -hmm. for two more years, you already, you'll already you get another degree, and that's a doctorate of pharmacy. And then you look like a more competitive applicant uh, applying into medical school. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting advice. Um, so, so you would say like, go even further than after you get your, after you do pharmacy school, then if you want, you can even apply to med school. And you can apply to medical school. Uh, mm -hmm. Most pharmacists, um, after they graduate from pharmacy school, they have the option of uh, doing a one or two year residency. It's not required, but, um, you know, uh, the way I looked at it is, well, I'm, I'm already poor <laughs> being a <laughs> pharmacy student. Uh -huh. So what, what's another year or two of being poor? So I, um, I just went straight and, um, and, and it was very valuable, you know, as a, mm. from a professional and personal growth.
going through a residency program. Hmm. And so like, where was your residency and um, what did, what did it consist of? Right. So my residency program was here in Chicago and that's actually the, um, the avenue that actually opened up for me to come here Mm -hmm. to Chicago. So as, um, as I was, looking for residency programs and I applied at, at different um, institutions. Uh, I, at the at Lutheran General Hospital, which is a hospital here in Chicago, um, I came up here and, and did my residency program. And believe me, after I was done with my residency program, I, I hated Chicago. I said <laughs> that I miss my family, I miss uh-huh. my friends, it's too cold here, mm-hmm. people are really mean here. I said, I wanna go back home. And uh, literally, the day that I graduated from residency, I, I packed everything up and I went straight home. And I stayed there for about a month. And I said, you know, I miss Chicago. <laughs> and then came here. Back. It is. I packed everything <laughs> back up and I came oh. and uh, and I started um, working as a clinical pharmacist at one of Northwestern Medicine's um, hospitals. Um, I stayed there for fourteen years. And um, I started um, five uh, pharmacy services at that uh, at that hospital. And mm-hmm. essentially, probably the one thing that I could I, one uh, piece of advice I can give people that it led that I feel like led to my success was that whenever my director would come in and would offer um, that we want to start this service, everybody else would say, "Ah, you know, that's a little too hard. I don't think I want to do that." Mm. I was the only one that would say yes. And that built trust and relationship with my director and right. and the other um, presidents and, and trustees uh, within the ho- organization and hospital. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, they took notice. And I was offered a um, administrative position in the corporate of uh, office of Northwestern Medicine. Essentially, I was prom- uh, I, it was a promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told me they said that they we've been watching you for for the last three years. Um, seems kind of stalkerish, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've been watching. They said that we were. We've been watching you and the great work that you've been doing. So, uh, we want to offer you this position, and right. uh, you know, and I and I jumped on it, and mm. and it's been great. I've been in this role for a little over a year now. So, what do you do in your new role? So, your new role is corporate clinical pharmacist, right? Yes, yes. Okay. I'm a corporate based clinical pharmacist. Correct. Mm. So, in, in this role. Um, it's another um, an, another um, side of pharmacy that uh, that I wasn't really aware of. But mm-hmm. essentially, what we do is we work with the other hospitals of Northwestern Medicine, and we look at uh, a lot of their quality measures and see where um, some of the deficiencies in these uh, clinics or these uh, these hospitals, and we try to work with them to try to get their numbers up. Uh, the other thing that um, they've asked me to do is. Um, Northwestern Medicine doesn't really have like an outpatient ambulatory pharmacy program. So I've been very instrumental in uh, helping them start that up since they've uh, they've seen that I've started other services at the hospital before. Uh, and now they, they say that, well, you know, based on that track rec- record and your clinical knowledge and experience, we think that you would be perfect to start this program here. And um, it's been an overwhelming success so far. Hmm, interesting. Um, so I guess going back um, to your background, I was also intrigued in another part of your story. You said you moved from Toronto to a small town in Arkansas when 
you were five, but despite that, you kept your religion and your culture. So I'm just wondering um, how. <laughs> yeah, good question. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I wonder that myself. Um, you know, like you said, at the age of five, uh, my family and I, we moved from Toronto and everybody who's been to Toronto knows how diverse uh, mm -hmm. Toronto is. And we went and uh, my father was actually working three jobs at Toronto and and my mom wow. was like, you know, you're gonna, you're not gonna be able to keep this up. Mm -hmm. um, we need to do something. Uh, we need to reevaluate. And so somebody actually gave my father a tip, and they said, um, you know, there is a small uh, hotel business in this state called Arkansas. Um, would you be interested? And you know, of course, they didn't know anything about it, and um, right. they they just looked at it as an opportunity, and they said, mm -hmm. all right, let's go. So here it is. <clears throat> we drove 16 hours from Toronto to this small town in Arkansas. And it's about, at that time, it was only 10,000 people. Huh. And, um, and and something interesting about that town is, is that um, it was the KKK capital of the Mid-South um, in the 70s. Wow. So, um, it, you know, if people don't know about KKK, it's a, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, very uh, racial-based uh, organization. Um, and if you think about the cities in the Mid-South, you've got big cities like Dallas and um, Atlanta and New Orleans and, and this small town of 10,000 in Arkansas, um, and they are the KKK capital. Well, right, once right. we arrived in the 80s, um, in there, uh, they put a headliner in the front page. It's, it's my parents and myself, and I'm an only mm -hmm. child, so it was only me. And it said, the first non-whites to move to um, Paragold, Arkansas, uh, since the 70s. And um, and at that time, we thought, wow, what a great way to um, welcome us. What a great way to, um, you know, that, that they're they're really celebrating how progressive they are and they're, and they're moving into, uh, you know, in this right direction. And in hindsight, I think about it and I was, and, and I thought that, you know, that, that could be a target. You know, that, that right. could have been like an announcement to um, everybody to say, hey, they're here, like they're yeah. here, mm -hmm. you know, do something about it. But mm -hmm. my father was very uh, tactful in, in what he did. And he made friends with uh, the law enforcement. He made friends with uh, the aldermen and the mayor. Mm -hmm. And so whenever there were issues and I, you know, I don't want to say that there weren't any issues. There were issues whenever there was. Um, we were very fortunate that uh, we had the support of um the you know the town the city to mm -hmm. protect us um so that's that's kind of uh gives you a little bit of background on how i arrived in this small town and i did my schooling i did my uh, i graduated from there and right you know, it was great huh interesting um yeah. and so so were they like openly hostile to you because i mean seeing that they were the kkk capital of the world and and also did they know right away that you're muslim well, yeah, so the the town was 10,000 people, and uh, to give you a kind of a demographic breakdown, it was 99.9% .9 white. <laughs> 0. 0.1, my family. <laughs> we, we broke the, uh, the trend there. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what, as a kindergartner, and, and I graduated with the same set of friends, um, it was very interesting because what the one thing that I quickly learned was is that racism is not 
uh, like no one's born a racist. It's, it's something that's taught. And, um, you know, as a kid, um, as a kindergartner, uh, a lot of these um, kids were first exposed to someone like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they knew that I was Muslim. As a matter of fact, one of my childhood friends who he still, still tells this story, he went home and he told his, his mom, he said, mom, I made a new friend at school. And she said, oh, that's great. Does uh-huh. he have, he's not really like me. She said, what do you mean? He said, well, he's mush, he's mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> mushroom. What he meant to say was Muslim, but he uh-huh. didn't really know how to say that. So, um, but he still tells that story. Um, and for the most part, um, a lot of the kids, uh, they knew me and they saw me without color. They mm-hmm. saw me as one of their own. This, he loves to play sports. He loves to play video games. He mm-hmm. talks like us. He jokes like us. Um, for all they know that, that I was one of them. Right. Um, you know, and, and the, the part that I kind of talked about earlier about how, you know, I felt like racism is taught. Um, and that's only based on my experience. Um, I can tell you about a, a student who came up to me. Um, and this was like close to, you know, like this was in high school. Mm-hmm. He came up to me and he said, um, you know, I hate you. And I said, and wow. this is the first time I've ever met him. And I said, well, you hate me. Why do you hate me? <laughs> what did I do to you? Yeah. <laughs> he said, well, because my daddy told me that I'm supposed to hate people like you. And I said, well, you know, let me, let's do this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at lunch today, we'll meet in the cafeteria and let's have lunch together. And then you get to know me. Hmm. After you get, to, you get a chance to know me, if you still hate me, then I, I, I'll just stay away and I'll, I'll never, um, we'll never, never cross again, paths yeah. ever again. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay, that sounds fair. And so one day he came and, you know, we, we had lunch together and we talked and we joked. And then the next day we, he came back and, and it, you know, and we became the best of friends um, by the time we graduated. And, and, you know, we still keep in touch wow. to this day. Um, you know, and he, he actually told me one day, he said that, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm having kids. And I really would mean, it would mean a lot to me that if you would be the, the, the godfather of my kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no way, man. I know you. You're, you're going to lead those kids to me. So, um, but that kind of shows you how um, just through patience and conversation, how you can change someone's uh, attitude rather than being coming defensive and hostile. And that's mm-hmm. something I learned at a very early age. Hmm, interesting. And, and um, I think it takes so much courage for you to say, um, instead of saying, I hate you back to him or just walking away or saying, come have lunch with me, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he, he actually told me, he said, what you did for me, I want you to do that for my parents. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? He said, I want you to come back to my house and um, spend the night with me. <laughs> and I said, oh, I said, yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't think that you, um, you're going to, uh, I don't think I'll come out of there alive. And, <laughs> um, and for the most part, I went there and, um, you know, and it was fine. And, you know, they were very, it was very tense. And as soon as the morning came, we played video games all night long. As soon as the morning came, I, I left. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Interesting. Um, okay. And so I think, um, if we want to touch on one other point, um, I guess being the only Muslim family in Arkansas, you never really had a community to go to. Um, and I mean, I guess in Chicago you do, as you had mentioned. So, um, like talk about, because I know a lot of us, we complain about our communities, complain about every little thing. Um, talk about 
why maybe we shouldn't do that and and um, how you're taking advantage of having a community now. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, you know, uh, being the only Muslim in town um, growing up, uh, a lot, you know, and I grew up with the same set of friends from kindergarten all the way up to um the day we graduated and you know and they were very familiar with islam and i and i really have to um commend my parents for that um they they never let me um they they really stressed my religion and my culture they right. never let me um lose my faith um so a lot of my friends you know they would see me and they would say oh here's this guy um you know he prays five times a day he you know, once a month, he kind of disappears during lunchtime and he doesn't eat lunch. Um, mm -hmm. So he's fasting. So they they were very um, familiar with Islam by the time we, you know, we graduated and to the mm -hmm. point which um, I was a in 10th grade. Uh, there was a we went to a new high school. Um, mm -hmm. There was a there was a teacher there um, in 10th grade. Um, and she goes, you know, we're going to start off by, um, it was a world history class. And she said, we're right. going to start off by talking about Islam. She goes, this is the most evil religion that's out there. And for, for 50 minutes, she just, wow. bashed, um, Islam and my friends would just kind of turn around and just stare at me. And they're like, mm -hmm. say something, say something. And I said, you know, wait. And at the end of the class, she came up to me and she said, um, you know, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She goes, what religion are you? I said, I'm Muslim. I'm Islam is my religion. And she goes, Ooh, sorry. I said, no, because you just stayed up, stayed up there for 50 minutes and you just spewed lies. And that's not really what Islam is. And the next day I brought her a book of Islam and the next class after that, um, when we met, she right. literally apologized to the hmm. class. And she said, I never knew how beautiful Islam was. And she hmm. referenced the book and she said, thank you to Imran for, for teaching me what the real Islam is. Mm -hmm. So, um, wow. I, you know, I go back and I, and I see some of my uh, friends, you know, and I've been far removed from that community mm -hmm. um, living here in Chicago. And, uh, you know, now a lot of my friends, my childhood friends, they're, they're priests and they're hmm. uh, sheriffs and um physicians of that town they're more of the leadership role and mm -hmm. um you know one of my friends he um i saw him for the first time after like maybe 20 years i, I ran into wow. him um last year and he said i just want to let you know that everything that they say on the news about muslims and islam i know it's fake because mm -hmm. i know you and i know that you were not that what they said and i've known you for you know, my whole life pretty much and so um you know, and my friends were very involved with the youth, the church youth groups down there in, in, in Arkansas. And right. when I used to see them, I used to be very envious. And I used, I made a promise to my parents. I said that Man, if I ever go to a city where we have a community, where we have a center, you know, I want to really give back to the community. I want to give them what I never had. And so when I moved mm -hmm. here to, to, to Chicago, the first thing I noticed is, is that when I went to um, the Islamic Education Center, uh, I noticed that the youth were all very uh, separated. They were all sitting in groups and bunches. And so that's when I decided I wanted to be a youth director and I wanted to break these barriers and bring everybody together. And, mm -hmm. and from my um, experience growing up and I saw the, these, um, the church youth groups of, of, of the South and, you know, the Christians, they, they did fun things like um, putting together basketball tournaments and mm -hmm. sleepovers and all night swimming events and the movie, you know, like, uh, movie nights and stuff and mm -hmm. you know, bowling nights and, and I 
kind of translated that here and bring brought that culture here and um and it really was very successful and in, in, in the response mm -hmm. of our youth so um i that's what i did um i for about seven years i was their youth director and now i've kind of transitioned more into a sunday school teacher role so i'm still um, wanting to stay connected to the community and, and still um, giving back to the youth. Hmm. I have um, one question actually back to your profession for a second okay. before we conclude because we have a few minutes left. Sure. Um, so I know for you, I guess you didn't really take any pharmacy courses in undergrad to introduce you to the field. Right. What if um, people listening to this show are, are um, thinking about maybe they're interested in this field. How can they learn more? Like, can they take a specific course? Um, and um, what, what would their, what would like the path be? Good question. Um, I would tell them that, uh, first of all, uh, look into, look within your community. I, I, I almost guarantee that everybody has a, a pharmacist in their community and don't be shy to ask them to, sh to ask to shadow them. I mean, if this is what you want to do for the rest of your life, the one thing that you want to do is you want to shadow and see if that this, this, you know, to confirm that this is what you want um, and to solidify that decision. Um, the universities, um, they have pre-pharmacy advisors, build a relationship with them. If this is something that you're interested in, they can guide you. They've guided many students to, um, you know, to pharmacy school, they can guide you as well. Um, the basic courses, um, I would tell that, you know, the the, the biologies, the chemistries, the um, anatomy and physiology, those um, are, are the basic tenets of mm -hmm. uh, the foundations of going to pharmacy school. Um, and so, but it depends on the pharmacy school, if they uh, would like uh, somebody with a undergraduate degree, then, um, you look into biology, look into chemistry, look into math, um, you know, all of these uh, undergraduate degrees, they accept. Hmm, interesting. Okay, thanks. Um, so thank you so much for your advice. Um, and just one final question, what is your final piece of advice to our listeners? Oh, uh, that's really, a, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> <be> anything. <laughs> um, you know, I what I would tell people that, um, you know, know that you're more than just, um, you know, a person, you know, more, more than know that your life purpose, you know, I get this question a lot from, from the youth that I don't know what the purpose of my life is. And the, the, what I tell them is, is that, that you're a gift, know that you're a gift and um, that you, when the people look at you, they look at you more than just um, what your name is. They look at you as an ambassador of Islam and that you represent the way that you um, present Islam, that might be their only lasting image of how a Muslim is. Mm -hmm. So I would tell you is, is that, um, like, for example, with me, many of those um, people that I grew up with, now they know that how a Muslim is and they, they, they don't buy into whatever the media propaganda is or what uh, they read on social media because of the example that I was um, for, for them. So, be, you know, make sure that you represent Islam well and uh, know that that might be their only, um, you know, uh, opportunity, that person's opportunity to see who a Muslim is. Um, 
So that that's probably the one advice right. I, I would share with everyone. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and we're so happy to um, have your advice. <laughs> well, thank you for thank you for spending time with me. You're so very welcome. Um, okay, join us for our next show um, next week, Saturday at 3 p.m. We have an IT panel with Brother Sayed Abirizvi and Brother Faisal Abbas. They're going to discuss some of the roles surging during the pandemic era and how to prepare for them. And that's um, going to be co-hosted by myself and Sister Fatima Al-Sayed. Um, so we hope to see you there. Um, and um, thank you so much for tuning in today. We have just one final slide to share with you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in.